0: Assalamu salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani rajeem rahman rahim Wa salamu ala rasulihi al-Kareem Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassidli amri Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Rabbi ilma Ameen So in our previous class we were studying about joint property And zakat on joint property so this is bab number 35 bab ma kana min khadithain fa innahuma baynahuma That if there are two equal partners then they pay zakat in equal shares Now remember that this bab is specifically about joint ownership of livestock Okay so this is joint ownership of what of livestock. So you're talking about either camels or sheep, goats or cows. Now, technically, we learned earlier that flocks should not be joined together to avoid zakat. Correct? Especially to trick the zakat collector. But this doesn't mean that joining flocks is prohibited. Sometimes it's just easier, for example, for two brothers, to join their flocks together. Why? Because then they only have to hire one person to take the animals for pasture, right? They only have to have one pen. They only have to, you know, give the water in one place. And if each of them keeps their flocks separate, then they have to hire two people. Then the expenses, of course, are more. Then the work is more. So sometimes really for ease, for convenience, uh, people do join their flocks together. Now, remember that joining the flocks is not permitted for the purpose of avoiding zakat or for tricking the zakat collector. That when you know that the zakat collector is coming to town, then you just combine all the animals together. That is not allowed. Now, when it comes to joint ownership of livestock, then remember that some scholars said that even if flocks are joined, each owner must give his own zakat. So, for example, if two people or three people own a 100 sheep together, for example, And each person is very clear that I own forty sheep, the other says I own twenty sheep, and the other says I own how many ever sheep are left. So each person has to calculate his own zakat. But other scholars they say that mixed flocks, all right, mixed flocks are such that they will be treated as a single flock. Okay? And this is what Imam Bukhari is alluding to that mixed flocks extract the zakat of a single flock so you will treat a mixed flock as what as a single flock but remember there are some conditions where mixed flocks will be treated as one flock what are those conditions the conditions are for example that the livestock must stay in the same place in the night all right there's one barn or one pen or or whatever it is they share that area in the night Likewise, the pasture is the same. Likewise, what they drink is the same. Likewise, they're even milked by the same person. And their place of milking is the same. So basically, if all of those animals are being treated as one flock, then only one zakat will be taken out of it. And this is regardless of whether the flock is distinguishable or not distinguishable. All right. Sometimes people are able to tell Okay, this brown sheep is mine And the other says the white one is mine And then some people have no idea They know that 20% of the flock is there Or 30% of the flock is there You understand? So sometimes the, the animals are distinguishable And other times they are not distinguishable All right. And this concept is known as khulta Khultah is joint ownership Where the animals are Where the flocks are mixed So when flocks are joined Of course there will be different outcomes. So for example, there could be a situation where, and we went over some of the examples earlier, but just to make it clearer, one possibility is that, for example, two people own 40 sheep each. Now if the flocks were kept separate, then what would happen? Each person would have to give one sheep each, correct? But if they are combining the flocks now, right? because they're combined, so now still how many sheep are due? One correct so this is easy for the owners also but how is that one sheep going to be given we discussed that earlier that one person is going to give the sheep and the other is going to give him half the value in some form sometimes what happens is that with joint with joint flocks both partners have to give more zakat how that for example two people own 20 sheep each all right But their flock is joined. Now, what do they have to do? They have to give one sheep, correct? If they had kept their flock separate, then would they have to give zakat? No. Another possibility is that one person has to give less zakat and the other has to give more. How? That one person owns, for example, 40 sheep and the other owns 20 sheep. So you have two-thirds ownership and one-third ownership, right? So now the zakat is going to be given the same way. But if they had not combined their flock, then what would happen? The guy who has two-thirds ownership would have to give one sheep and the one who has one-third ownership would have to give none. But now what's happening? That the guy who has two-thirds ownership has to give two-thirds of of the sheep as zakat and the other one has to give one-third. And sometimes what happens is that with joint flocks, there's neither increase nor decrease in zakat. So for example, two people own hundred sheep each. And they combine their flocks. So they have 200 now together in one flock. Two sheep are due. And that would also be the case if their flocks were not joined. So there's basically four outcomes of joining flocks. Right? What are those four outcomes? The first is that both end up giving less zakat than if they were to keep their flocks separate. The second possibility is that both have to give more zakat. Than if they had kept their flock separate. The third possibility is that less for one and more for the other. And the fourth possibility is, what's the fourth possibility? Makes no difference, right? The joining makes no difference. Now, did you receive a handout? So inshallah, this is what we're going to cover today. There were some questions that were asked in the previous class regarding Money that is put aside—is there a zakat? Do you want that? So, inshallah, we'll discuss that later. Right now, I just want to get over the sheep and goats and cows, okay? Inshallah, because it's a little tricky. There's numbers involved, and if we do it in one sitting, inshallah, it'll be easy to understand. So, Bab Zakatil Ibl, zakat on camels. ذكره أبو بكر wa Abu Dharr wa Abu Hurayrah radi Allahu anhum 'an sallallahu alayhi wa This has been mentioned by Abu Bakr Radiallahu anhu Abu Dharr Radiallahu anhu and Abu Hurayrah radi anhu from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam meaning each of these companions has narrated a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that show us the obligation of giving zakat on camels Alright and these are big names Abu Bakr Abu Dharr Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhum Haddathana Ali ibn Abdullah Haddathana Al Walid ibn Muslim Haddathana Al Awza'i qala Haddathana Ibn Shihabin, an Ata ibn Yazid an Abi Sa'idin Al Khudhri radiyallahu anhu anna a'rabiyan sa'ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 'anil hijra Abu Sa'id Al Khudhri radiyallahu anhu reported that an a'rabi man a'rabi is a bedouin so a bedouin man he asked the Prophet ﷺ about Hijrah. He asked him about Hijrah, meaning he asked him permission or, you know, the, the details that I want to do Hijrah. Where should I do? How should I? When should I? So he asked him about Hijrah. Fakala, so the Prophet Wasallam, he said وَإِحَقَّ وَأَتْيُ إِنَّ شَأْنَهَا شَدِيدٌ it is a very hard matter. شَأْن is the situation, so the sha'an of hijrah is very shadeed, meaning this is a very difficult matter. فهل لك مِنْ إبلين تُؤَدِّي صَدَقَتَهَا Do you have any camels on which you give charity, meaning on which you give zakat? قَالَ نَعْمُ The man said yes. The Bedouin said yes, I do have camels and I do give zakat on it. قال, the Prophet ﷺ said, فَعْمَلْ مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْبِحَارِ so work beyond the seas. The Arabs use the word seas, oceans, to refer to far off lands. Meaning stay where you are in the far off land where you have come from and keep working, keep doing what you're doing. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ For indeed Allah لَن يَتِرَكَ مِنْ عَمَلِكَ Shaya, For Allah will not neglect any action that you do. So what do we see in this hadith? that this Bedouin wished to make hijrah to Medina. And when he asked the Prophet ﷺ about it, the Prophet ﷺ discouraged him. He said, this is a very difficult matter. But he asked him that, do you have camels on which you give zakat? And the man said, yes. So the Prophet ﷺ told him to continue doing what he was doing, meaning keep giving zakat on the camels that he owned. And he should not belittle any good that he does Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will not neglect his good work So what do we see over here? What do we learn from this hadith? Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith To show the obligation of Zakat on camels Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Asked him Do you have camels on which you give sadaqah? Right? So zakat is to be given on camels So that is proven But what other lesson is there In this hadith for us? Or what comes to your mind? Go ahead. Okay, good. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not waste any effort of a person. Even if you may think that it's very insignificant, I'm only giving zakat, that's all I'm doing. Even that is not going to be neglected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes? I was going to say something similar, that we often think that we have to do something very courageous or bold in order to be successful in Allah's eyes, but he knows what's in our heart and the small deeds matter. We're, we were in Dalim al-Quran, we learned about the people of the cave and how even walking away was an ihsan that they were doing to themselves and for their circumstance, and that was such a legacy that Allah preserved their story. Even to now, Muslims recite their story every Friday till the Day of Judgment. Good. So we see that there was a period of time when hijrah was mandatory. But outside of that time, we see that it's not obligatory, right? But other than the obligation or non-obligation of hijrah, what else do we learn? Yes. Because you see, the Bedouin had come from a faraway place. So the Prophet ﷺ <laughs> told him, stay where you are, beyond the seas, meaning in that far-off land. You don't need to come all the way here, right? Yes, go ahead. You don't have to necessarily want to move to a place where there's Muslim majority, even if you are in a place where there are not a lot of Muslims, because Medina is a place yeah. where there are lot see, more Muslims. See, this person, where he was, he was able to follow the deen, correct? He was able to give zakat. Zakat is one of the five pillars. So if you're able to practice your deen freely, so there's no restriction like that that you're not able to pray and you're not allowed to give zakat and things like that, then you don't need to move. Right? Hijrah is what? Hijra is basically to leave your homeland, to leave your place. Why? Because you're not able to be who you are. Right? You don't find that freedom. There's persecution in fact. So a person has to move to a better place where there's freedom and, and he's able to practice his deen. And remember that hijrah is not just about leaving your country. Hijrah is also, for example, leaving a sin, leaving a, a bad habit, leaving the wrong company. So even, for example, if there's backbiting going on somewhere and you get up and leave, that is also a form of hijrah. All right? So hijrah has levels. What I find very striking about this hadith is that everyone is not cut out for every virtue. Because sometimes what happens is that we see people doing certain great things and we envy them. And yes, we should envy them. We should try to be, you know, as good as possible. But at the same time, we have to recognize the strengths that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and the abilities that He has given us and the situations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us in. Instead of always comparing ourselves with high achievers, right? Or, Or people who seem to be achieving more than we are achieving. Yes, our desire should be to go as far as possible. But at the same time, we should recognize what situation we are in, what abilities and strengths Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us and make the best use of them. Anything else? Yes, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Woe to you. It's an expression. right? Woe to you. It's translated in different ways, but it basically means war to you or Yours says, May Allah have mercy on you. Yeah, Yeah, that's also fine. No, no, it's not a curse. It's not a curse. Okay, now when it comes to Zakat on camels, Zakat on camels, remember that Zakat on camels is part of Zakat on livestock. And when it comes to Zakat on livestock, there's three types of livestock on which Zakat is due. Okay, there's three categories. the first category is camels of course which inshallah we will look at right now. The next is sheep and goats. They're they're one category. Okay? Sheep and goats are one category and cattle which is basically cows etc they are the third category. Zakat on livestock is due when certain conditions are met. Okay? When is zakat due on livestock? When certain conditions are met. Which conditions? First of all of course the owner is a Muslim. Secondly, the owner is a free person. The third is that the owner actually has ownership of that livestock. Not that, for example, you know, a father says to his son that I will give you 50 camels. So he says, I will give you. Now, when will that happen? The son doesn't know. So the son does not have to give zakat unless and until he actually becomes the owner of those camels. Understand? So there's ownership. Then the fifth is that, that the owner must have the minimum amount of livestock on which zakat is due. And for each category, there is a different minimum. For each category, there is a different minimum. By minimum, I mean nisab, for those of you who are familiar with the term. The fifth condition is that the owner has had possession of the flock or of the livestock for a lunar year. After one lunar year, then zakat is due. And remember that a lunar year is roughly 10 days shorter than a solar year. So there is a difference. Okay? There's a difference in the length also. And the sixth condition is, and this is very important, that is that animals are grazed on pasture that grows without human intervention. Okay? Try to understand this first. These animals are grazing on what? Which pasture? Pasture that grows or herbage that grows without human intervention. So if, for example, the animals are being fed, let's say food is bought for them, okay, and then brought, is zakat due on those animals? No. And also remember that these animals are not working animals. There is no zakat on working animals. So, for example, if a person has camels, but those camels are used for farming, for irrigating the land, for example, right? Or a person owns some cattle, but let's say a bull is used for, you know, working in the fields, again, no zakat is due on that. Okay? So remember these conditions. Did you have a question? Go ahead. So for the, how do we, so we own actually in certain countries, you can actually have that animal for like a month. Yeah. So you don't have to give zakat Because you've only owned it for a month So even though uh... Okay So if for example You buy let's say 10 camels And then after a year Or two years you intend to slaughter them Then you have to give zakat But if you slaughter them Before the year has passed Then there is no zakat to you Now what is the nisab on uh, of camels This is where your handout is useful Okay Yes go ahead the first is Islam, the owner is Muslim. The second is the owner is a free person, not a slave. All right. The third is that he must have actual ownership. Now, when it comes to the nasab of camels, we have gone over this before, but again, I'm just going to repeat because now it's actually on paper for you. So the first important thing is that we learned that zakat is due on camels when a person has five camels. Five or more. For less than five, no zakat. For four camels, no zakat. For five camels, there is zakat. Now, between five and 24 camels, if a person owns anywhere between five and 24 camels, how much zakat is due? One shah. Shah is sheep. All right, one sheep for every five camels. What does that mean? If you see the next section, you have Five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you have five camels or six or seven, eight or nine camels, how many sheep? One sheep. If you have ten camels, then how many? Two. Because it's one sheep for every five camels. Okay? Write this down. One sheep for every five camels. Okay? But this is only up to 24 camels. Okay? So, if you have 5 camels, how many sheep? 1. If you have 10 camels, how many sheep? 2. If you have 15? 3. If you have 20? 4. Clear? Okay. The next is, if you have 25 or more. 25 or more camels up to 35, then a bint maqad is due. And we did this earlier. What is a bint Mahal One year old, female. Alright, which is now in its second year. Meaning one year is complete. Okay? If a person has 36 camels or up to 45, then a bint laboon is due. And a bint laboon is two year old camel in third year, female. Then 46 to 60, you have one hikqa. What is a hikka? We've done that. Again, it's written here also. 61 to 75, a jada'ah. 76 to 90, two bint laboon. 91 up to 120, two hikka. All right. 121, three bint laboon. More than 121. This is interesting. If a person has more than 121 camels, then how much zakat is due? For every 40 camels... One bint labun. And for every 50 camels, one hikka. Okay? So remember these two numbers. 40 and 50. Okay? So for every 40 camels, what is to be given? One bint labun. And for every 50 camels, what is to be given? One hikka. This is for how many camels? Camels that are more than 121. Okay? So now, if a person has 140 camels Then what do they have to give? I've broken it down for you 140 means 50, 50 and 40 Correct? So how many camels for 50? What do you have to give for 50? One hikka, Right? And how many do you have to give for 40? One bint laboon For 40 you have to give one bint laboon So two 50s and one 40 That's how much? Two hiqqa and One bint labun. Alright What about 150? 50, 50, 50 What is that? Three hiqqa For 200 Good Or Exactly So you can have five Five bint laboons Or Four hiqqas Correct? It's broken down for you You can see 40 plus 40 plus 40 You see that? So In some cases, you can see that you could basically, you know, you have a choice, isn't it? You can either give five bint laboons or you can give four hiqas. Now, where you have an option, what do you give? When more than one amount is possible, the owner pays whatever is in the best interest of the poor. Okay, make sure you write that down. When more than one option is possible... When more than one amount is possible, then what does the owner give? What does the owner give? Whatever is in the best interest of the poor, of those in need. And the zakat collector will also see what is in the best interest of the person giving the zakat. Because it's possible that he has a certain number of hiqqas and a certain number of bint laboons, right? So he's not able to give this or that. you understand? So they have to see what's available in the flock, and what he's able to give. So both options are possible, but you have to see what is in the best interest of the poor and also what is in the best interest of the person giving the zakat. In the next hadith actually we will see that if a person does not have the actual animal, then he has another option. And that option inshallah we will see in the next hadith. Okay, so this was zakat for camels this is very specific this is zakat for camels and this formula cannot be applied on sheep it cannot be applied on cows it cannot be applied on gold or silver on cash all right on business this is specifically for camels okay but this is part of our deen so uh, it's it's good to know that there is zakat on these things and you know you might be wondering how is this even relevant to us there are very um, you know, subtle things that we can pick up from here. That first of all, look at how precise our deen is. right? Look at how specific it is that for this amount, this kind of animal, for this amount, this kind of animal. right? And then we see that where more than one option is possible, we have been told to look at the best interest of the poor person. And also go easy on the giver, on the person who's giving the zakat, that don't make things impossible for him. Okay, so مَن بَلَغَتْ عِنْدَهُ صَدَقَةُ بِنْتِ عِنْدَهُ مَن A person who بَلَغَتْ عِنْدَهُ He's supposed to give صَدَقَةُ The zakat of binti مَخَادٍ Of a two-year-old she-camel That's what he's supposed to give Given the number of Camels that he has But the problem is But he doesn't have A two-year-old she-camel he has one year old, he has three years old, three year olds. He doesn't have this specific camel. Now, what is he supposed to do? حدّثنا محمد بن عبد الله قال حدّثني أبي قال حدّثني أنسا رضي الله عنه حدّثه بكر رضي الله Anas رضي anhu reported that Abu Bakr wrote to him the Faridah, meaning the obligation, the, the details of the law. Which law? The law pertaining to as sadaqah. And by sadaqah, what is meant is zakat. Allati amar Allahu Rasulahu sallallahu alayhi wa The law which Allah had commanded His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa of. And when did this happen? When Abu Bakr anhu was the Khalifa and He sent Anas radiAllahu anhu as a governor and He also gave him, He sent him in written the law of zakat. And part of that document was that min al-ibili That the person who's supposed to give the zakat of a jada'a. Alright, a jada'a is due. جدعى, but he doesn't have a jada'a. What is a jada'a? Four-year-old? She-camel. So he doesn't have the four-year-old, but وَعِنْدَهُ حِقَّةِ But he has a hikqa. Hikqa is a three-year-old. So فَإِنَّمَا تُقْبَلُ مِنْهُ الْحِقَّةِ So then the حِقَّةِ will be accepted from him. Alright? Why? Because he has حِقَّةِ. Hekka is a three-year-old. But of course, there's a difference between the value of the jaza'ah and the حِقَّةِ, Right? So what will happen? وَيَجْعَلُ مَعْهَا شَاتَيْنِ إِنِ اسْتَيْسَرَتَ لَهُ And what will happen? He adds two sheep to it. What will he do? He will also give two sheep, if that is easy for him. A'ur shirina dirhaman, or twenty dirham. So to reach the right value, what is he going to do? He's going to give the camel of lesser value, all right, and then add two sheep. If he doesn't have two sheep, or if he cannot give two sheep, then what is he going to give? Twenty dirham. Okay. ومن بلغت عنده صدقة الحقة وليس عنده الحقة وعنده الجذعة فإنها تقبل منه الجذعة ويعطيه المصدق عشرين درهما أو شاتين. Now this is where let's look at it. He has to give a الحقة but he doesn't have a الحقة. He has a جذعة. Alright, جذعة is of more value. Okay, he's supposed to give الحقة. He doesn't have that. He has something of more value. So what is he going to give? He is going to give the jada'ah, which is of more value, but then why is he giving extra? So things have to be made fair. So what's going to happen? The zakat collector now will give him two sheep or twenty dirham. So you see what's happening here? Same thing. ويُعطي شاتين أو عشرينَ درهماً. Or he will give two sheep, and he will give two sheep or twenty dirham. ومن بلغت صَدَقَتُهُ بنتَ لبونٍ وعنده حِقةٌ فإنها تُقبل منه الحِقة ويُعطي المُصدق عشرينَ درهماً أو شَعَتين. ومن بلغت صداقته بنتَ لبونٍ بنتُ مخاضن فإنها منه بنتُ مخاضن So what do we see here? What is the rule? That when the person has what is of lesser value, he will give that and add to it 20 dirham or two sheep. He has the option. And if he has what is more valuable, so he will give that and he will receive the change. And what is the change? 20 dirham or two sheep. Alright, two sheep. Clear? So this is how the zakat will be. Adjust it, go ahead Okay, so when it comes to the sheep That is being given as zakat Then there are certain conditions Which inshallah we will see It's a baba of its own Okay, go ahead didam- one. The has the same, has Well, of course uh, The dirham is a certain silver value yeah. Alright And so the 20 dirham is a certain Value of silver Which <laughs> I actually so, told you about earlier so, Exactly It's different It's a certain amount of grams. It's 595-something grams of silver.